0: You know, we've looked last couple weeks, we looked uh, a couple weeks ago uh, at the aspect of uh, see for yourself. Uh, Come and see uh, Jesus. Uh, See for yourself. The only way you're going to be saved is if you uh, see for yourself. You see the gospel message, uh, you uh, understand the gospel message, and you accept it for yourself. Last week, Uh, we looked at the aspect of establishing Jesus as the center of attention for our lives. Uh, He commands it. He demands it. He longs for it, that he would be the center of our attention. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at the aspect of establishing Jesus as the center of our worship. Uh, oftentimes it's referred to as, as worship. Uh, is worth? Uh, worship, where our focus is. And quite frankly, uh, it's, it becomes evident in our lives where what is most important to us, uh, because that's where our thoughts go, uh, that's where our time is spent, Uh, That's where our focus is on. Uh, At different stages of life, maybe uh, the things that are important to us might change some. When we're young, we we have a focus on on certain things of, of fun and excitement. Uh, maybe when uh, somebody's uh, kind of getting a little older in those teens and 20s, there's a, there's a longing and excitement for that permanent relationship. Who's, who's, who's that going to be? And then those that they get married, then it, it moves on to, uh, to other things and, and these different stages of life where my, my focus and attention is at. Longing for. Worship. Well, today we celebrate what was originally known as armistice day Uh, now it's referred to as veterans day Uh, in 1918 at the eleventh hour on the eleventh day of the eleventh month germany and uh, the allies had an armistice where uh, to end world war one now you probably don't remember it since that was 100 years ago today. 100 years ago, World War I ended. And you know what that was known as? The war to end all wars. Mission accomplished, right? You know, um, it was in 1938 that it was established as a legal holiday and in the proclamation one of the statements in the proclamation said a day to be dedicated to the cause of world peace so that we'd remember uh, what had taken place that was in 1938 well what happened after that the next war to end all wars unaffectionately known as World War II and in 1945 a World War II veteran by the name of Raymond Weeks wanted Veteran or Armistice Day uh, to be uh, expanded to celebrate all veterans, all who had served in the military, all Americans uh, who had served in the United States military. You know, but we refer to as veterans those who served in the United States military. And right now, everybody who has served or currently is serving, would you please stand? All across. Thank you for your service. And we want to acknowledge, because not everybody knows who has or does or what they've done and you might look around and say oh I wonder what they did I wonder where they were at and and, and those are conversations that can be had we want to honor those uh, who are worthy of honor you know a veteran is one who served in the military of their country Uh, these are all uh, folks who have served in the United States military I assume that's uh, I'll make that assumption here the United States military and it is one whose allegiance is singular focused to protect and to serve the United States of America in fact I believe all of you would have taken uh, the oath that says I and you state your name do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies foreign and domestic that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same and that I will obey the orders of the president of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to regulations and the uniform code of military justice so help me God and once an individual takes that oath there's an accountability that is established accountability that is punishable by law if one does not maintain that oath one who does not follow through that allegiance has now been established that I am affirming as a United States citizen that I am going to put my life and all that I have on the line for these United States of America and we're thankful for that. Thankful for the men and women who have made that commitment. Whatever the reason why people have done it, you know, uh, not everybody goes in with that exact uh, mindset. Uh, there's been a variety of reasons uh, throughout U.S. history of, of why folks entered the, the military. But every human being who enters the military is held accountable to that standard. There's an expectation of allegiance. Well, as we come together here uh, this morning as believers, as expectant uh, followers of Christ, assuming that the vast majority of us are, as Christians, we take an oath of allegiance when we're saved and baptized. As Christians, we take an oath of allegiance to our eternal country, our eternal leadership. We take an oath of allegiance to Jesus and that level of commitment is seen in our worship, in our standards, in our faithfulness, in our commitment but we do not have anything here that is punishable by law in these United States of America, so there's not quite the same focus and accountability uh, that there are for some military members in these United States of America. Because if you, as uh, veterans, Those who currently serve, if you have orders, if you have a schedule, if you have a mandate and you decide to do what you're going to do when you want to do it, how you want to do it, and not follow that pattern, there are severe repercussions, are there not? Severe. Those that, uh, a term that we don't hear a lot about anymore is uh, AWOL, uh, absence without leave, Uh, those that are going to go do their own thing. But yet, when we enter the commitment to Christ, when we enter this body, when we enter the kingdom uh, as citizens of the kingdom, that this world is not our home, but we have an eternal destination, an eternal place, the oath is no less important. The oath and the commitment is no less strong. The oath and the commitment is no less expectant of our Savior as followers of Him. And that's why I say this morning that we must be looking to the Word as see the expectations that He's placed upon us to, to establish Jesus not just the center of our attention, but the center of our worship. Our worth as has been stated so often through the decades, where we place our worth. What is something worthwhile for my focus, worthwhile for my attention, worthwhile for my time, worthwhile for my endeavors, worthwhile for my goods, and all that follows worthwhile for my family. And so turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, this account takes place uh, just uh, before they were to celebrate the Passover, before Jesus was to implement uh, the Lord's Supper, communion, uh, as we've called it a number of of times. But here in Mark chapter 14 and verse 1, Scripture says, After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft, cunning, plans, purposes, uh, devising a way to and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. Now, Now, gain the picture of what's happening the the most holy of days in the jewish day or one of the most as they would come together to celebrate the passover to remember that time when the death angel passed over uh, the firstborn of of god's people the jewish nation and they were going to celebrate this time and remember emphatically and specifically uh, that this was a holy endeavor a holy expectation and those religious leaders, they saw the importance of the day, but they did not see the importance of following all the instructions of God's word that they themselves had at this time. And it says in verse 3, and it says, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman, having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious, And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me, for ye have the poor with you always." And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, one of the chief priests to betray him, betray him unto them and when they heard it they were glad and promised to give him money and he sought how he might conveniently betray him establishing jesus at the center of worship you know when you look at this account what is your personal thoughts do you look at that and say oh that's awesome do you look at that and say boy i wish i could have done that Oh, what a wonderful time. When you look at that account, do you, do you look at that and, 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 and partner with the other disciples and say, yeah, I'd have been with them, saying, well, what a waste. Or would you say, you would look at that and say, oh, I, I think I would have been that lady. I, I would have been her, that whatever my most precious thing was, that, that I would have surrendered that to Jesus at that moment uh, because that's my heart now. Who is at the center of our worship? Because we come together on Sunday, the first day of the week, this day that is set aside, uh, that seventh day. It's the first day of the week, but it's that seventh day when we are to rest. That seventh day when we are to acknowledge and to focus and our adoration and our focus in all things is to be on God and God's economy and God's way and worshiping him. And we're to learn to establish Jesus at the center of worship. And so here I see three things that are established for us in this account. That teaches us uh, how and why and where in what areas we are to establish Jesus at the center of our worship or worth-ship. What is most worthy, worthwhile, carries the greatest value in my mind, in my actions, in my life, in what controls my decision-making. And so the first area is in the area of sacrificing. Establish Jesus at the center of worship in the area of sacrifice. You know, Look there in verse 3 in Bethany, the house of Simon the Lever. As they sat at meat, there came a woman, an alabaster box of ointment, spikenard, her, very precious. She broke the box, poured it on his head, and there were some that had indignation and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? What do you consider a waste? You know, there's people right now that as they saw you driving to church that had it in their mind, what a waste of time. There are some here that there's things that happen in the church uh, that will go on that will say, what a waste. What a, what, what a wrong focus. What a waste. What do you in your heart consider to be a waste is time resources talents what do you consider to be a waste because here as the Lord commends uh, this lady as she makes a sacrifice we must learn that genuine sacrifice has a cost you know we've certainly made comment of this before, that that cost of this uh, perfume uh, was at that time equal to about a year's wage. And we say, oh yeah, if they didn't get paid as much then. It, it didn't matter. You know, we always compare generation to generation. It doesn't matter what it was, no matter what generation it is. A year's wage is a year's wage, no matter what generation you live in. No matter what year you live in, no matter what economy you live in, if somebody is giving up something that costs equivalent to an average year's wage, in any generation, that is significant. That is either a tremendous sacrifice or a tremendous waste. And there's two groups here that looked at it both ways. One thought it was a tremendous waste. To, to waste it on what? On breaking it and pouring it on Jesus' head. Breaking it and anointing Jesus with it. You know, this would have been something that would have been imported from India, would have been saved for years uh, to be used at that person's own burial. Uh, one important thing, uh, you know, that, that, that this would be, I would be anointed with this, that I would be buried with this, that this would be used uh, as my heart but a genuine sacrifice has a purpose the men saw the money that was being wasted but mary poured out her soul in worship and love she didn't see a earthly valuable possession she saw an eternally valuable lord she saw eternal value this temporary thing paled in comparison to the eternal value that she saw in Jesus who sat before her you know focusing solely on the Lord she lost all sense of economic reasoning she didn't give to support a program or a ministry she offered to Christ himself she didn't seek selfish results but rather she shot, sought to show loving, adoring worship. There's no simpler act than what Mary did. There's no more monumental act other than one who lays down his life for the brethren, one who lays down their life for another. You know, those in the military understand sacrifice. You know, on Veterans Day, you know, we have folks here who stand, uh, who have served or currently do serve in the military. But all across this land, all across this globe, uh, there are men and women who cannot stand because they've sacrificed limbs in their service. There are those that that cannot understand the words I'm saying uh, because of brain injuries and others uh, that keep them from understanding, yet their body still lives. There are those that are uh, uh, unable to uh, comprehend because the debilitating things that took place in them, that they're no longer able to uh, function like they once did. There are those whose families... Have abandoned them in the midst of their service, there are those who have sacrificed all yet live and understand that sacrifice there are those we have we have folks here in our, in our midst that have the memories of lost friends and and horrific uh, things that took place on the battlefield and those memories are always there and there's things that bring up those memories that desire not to ever think about again. Sacrifice. Eternal sacrifice though is what Jesus made on our behalf. The eternal sacrifice that he left the comfort. He understands uh, the life of a a soldier, the life of a military personnel. He left the comfort, uh, the realm of heaven to take the form of sinful man for the sole purpose of being that propitiation, being that satisfaction, being that offering for our sin. He understands the painful sacrifice. But sacrifice has Purpose, You know, as those <clears throat> have given of their time, their families, their limbs, their health, and so many uh, years of their service, it had a purpose. That purpose is the freedoms that we enjoy here in these United States. Sad to say, many are taking advantage of those freedoms and doing that which is contrary to the Constitution contrary to what men and women stood up for, but they have the freedoms nonetheless. Sacrifice was made for a purpose. A purpose to establish, to strengthen, to hold up these United States of America. The sacrifice that Mary made was for a purpose. To acknowledge, to anoint, to worship Jesus. She anointed him as, I believe, the the Spirit of God prompted her, uh, knowing that his death was coming and that this was meant for anointing and burial, and Jesus was just a short time from being put in that borrowed tomb as he was shortly going to go through that cruelest of agony. But we must learn to establish Jesus in the center of our worth-ship. That nothing in our possession, nothing in our power, nothing in our abilities, nothing in our schedules has more preeminence, has more value, has more intrinsic focus in our lives than Jesus does. And when there is something that takes more focus than what Christ does, that is where our genuine worship is found. Look at all the things that are scheduled on Sundays, the day of worship throughout our society, throughout our families, throughout our lives that take us away from organized, corporate, coming together, worship. And do you think that there's not a purpose in that? The enemy desires and longs to take our focus away from the one eternal worthy worship that's jesus but then also establishing jesus at the center of our worship in the area of service because look what he says in verse 8 here's jesus speaking he says she hath done what she could she has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing in the area of service what a what a statement that jesus made she has done what she could Can Jesus say that about us? When it comes to worshiping Him, when it comes to serving Him, when it comes to acknowledging Him, when it comes to focusing on Him, when it comes to adoring Him, can Jesus say about us, hey, he, she has done what they could. They've done what was within their ability, their strength, their power. The disciples focused on what the Lord had been teaching in Matthew's account to give and to minister uh, to the poor and here Jesus is telling them that they'll have plenty of time to do that plenty of time to minister to the poor after his ascension but the opportun- which is our opportunity now to minister to others but he's saying that uh, right now the focus must be on him because what he says in verse 9 verily i say unto you wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world this also that she hath done shall be spoken of as uh, for a memorial, a remembrance for her. You know, the pragmatic group would have not used the money, though, for the poor, even though they said they would. Remember who was the treasurer? Judas. What's it say right after this account? It said, we could have sold this and given the money to the poor! You know... How many people have things that the Holy Spirit instructs them to give to God? Whether it's your tithe, your offering, your time, a uh, resource, whatever it is. And, and the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something and you come up with a reason not to. And you know, it, it's always saddened to me when I see through the generations generations that have scrimped and saved and gotten debt free and and had a retirement and and then they when they when they pass away and they they leave their goods to whether it's family or whoever that gets distributed to ungodly things it all should be a part of our worship mary or many worshipers asked first how much will it cost me Do I have the time? Do I have the ability? Uh, Can I afford to do this? Maybe there will be a better opportunity coming away, Jesus said in Luke 9.62, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. How many folks throughout history have made the oath for the military, taken the oath gone through the training, and gotten on the field of conflict, gotten in the battle with the bombs bursting and the bullets flying, and seeing and hearing of of comrades and friends who have gone their way, haven't had the thoughts of, what am I doing? Who wouldn't? Many would, but that's why the training and the focus is to keep on task, to keep focused on what's coming because when you waver, that's when things happen and there's no turning back. But yet, we don't have the same accountability physically in the body of Christ and so in our minds, it's easy to turn back. In our hearts, it's easy to turn back. Because after all, I mean, I know one day I'm going to stand before the Lord. I know one day I'm going to give an account. At least that's what I've heard. That's what I've read. And I know one day, but I can't see that now. And so other things creep in. Other things interject. Other things take away in my area of service. And before long, I, I find myself, oh, well, It's not so bad. I mean, I'm not doing what I once did. I'm I'm not as active in in the service. I'm doing all these other things, and and I'm, I'm doing what's enjoyable to me. I'm doing where my strengths are. I'm doing what I can, and I get called away from doing whatever God would have me to do, and pretty soon I feel comfortable in it, and I think, oh, God's okay with it. God's okay with it. When God has not changed. He's not going to make us worship Him, but at the same time, He's going to make us worship Him. At one day, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. At one day, I've said it before, I firmly believe that in Revelation, at the end of Revelation, when it's, God says that God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, those believers uh, that have gone through uh, the judgment seat, and as the as the great white throne judgment is happening, and we have seen and we have seen unbelievers, friends, family, acquaintances, those cast into outer darkness, those cast into eternal damnation. I believe that before we have uh, gone through our time, that there is great angst. As we remember all the opportunities that we had to worship, to adore, to serve, to do, to love him in every ounce and capacity that we have. And I believe the tears that are wiped away is that last time when we acknowledge what we could have, should have, would have done. The Lord expects us to do what we can, when we can, for his glory for his adoration. A seemingly insignificant act as she brought this box of ointment, this box of perfume. And even though this is something special, who knows how long this has been handed and saved and delivered, and she broke it and solely anointed Jesus with it. And the other religious followers, their response was, what a waste. What, a waste. what do we consider a waste? What do we consider a waste? What do we fool ourselves into thinking is a waste of time, is a waste of resources, is a waste of a schedule, is the waste of finances, is the waste of materials, is the waste of a career, is the waste of whatever? How many consider what god tells us to do a waste we might not speak it we might not say it out loud but our actions belie what we think is a waste and what we think is important where our focus is when the spirit of god speaks to our hearts that is the time to step up and serve him 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 warns us about quenching the spirit of God. You know, so thankful as we remember on Veterans Day, Armistice Day, those who have done what they could. Those who have given two years, four years, twenty years, thirty years, even more, as some of the officers that have done what they could as they have for the sole purpose of of doing right by this country. And can the Lord say that of us? That we have established Jesus in my life, at the center of my worship, in the area of my sacrifice, in the area of my service, and then last, in the area of my surrender you know verse three in Bethany the house of Simon the leper he sat there came a woman with an alabaster box of ointment very precious she broke the box and poured it on his head verse eight she hath done what she could she has come to anoint my body to the bearing as the Lord had been teaching of his coming death and resurrection Mary believed and as she knelt to the Lord at the table she was declaring her faith in Him as Messiah. She was publicly telling everyone her faith and trust was in the Lord. She didn't care what they thought was a waste. She didn't care what she thought what they thought was valuable. She didn't care. all she cared about was that she was giving to Jesus. That's all she cared because she had established Jesus as the center of her worship in her area of surrender. In Jesus' day, there were four groups that were anointed in this very manner with this type of substance. 2 Kings tells us that kings were anointed this way. Uh, Exodus 29 tells us that priests were anointed this way. 1 Kings 19 tells us that prophets were anointed this way. And John 19 tells us that the dead were anointed this way. Four groups that were anointed. Look at Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19. Kings were anointed this way, and Revelation 19, verse 16 says, And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 1, we are told that priests were anointed this way in Exodus. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. King, and ki- King of kings, he was our great high priest. Look at Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter thirteen and verse thirty one. Another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard which a man took and sowed in his field. Uh, sorry, I wrote down the wrong uh, one. A, 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 prophets, he is. He is the the prophet. Um, I'll think of it here in just a second. Go to Revelation 1.18. Revelation 1, 18. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. King of kings, high priest, prophet, He was dead, but now he liveth forever. Mary was absolutely surrendered to the Lord, even more than the disciples, even more to the men that were in that room. And she anointed him. She worshiped him. She gave her most precious, earthly, valuable peace in worship to Jesus. That is worship whatever we're willing to sacrifice for that which is most important to us. And my fear is today that we have generations all across this globe who profess to know, to trust, to believe in Jesus, and he's the one being sacrificed all over again for something else that's more valuable. Whatever it might be in a person's life, Whatever it might be, it could be an animate possession. It could be some far-off goal. It can be people that are close. It could be whatever it is, whatever we're willing to sacrifice to attain that. And when we're sacrificing Jesus for something else, that's what we're worshiping. And Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who's worthy to be worshipped. He is the one for all eternity who we will be worshiping. And we come up, our flesh comes up with all kinds of reasons and excuses. What other people do wrong, what other people do right, what we wish people did better, what we wish people did different, how we wish things were, and Mary came in the midst of those very people. The religious people came right in the midst of them and focused on Jesus. The account of Mary and Martha. Martha was busy, busy, cumbered about much work. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, when she came to get her good-for-nothing sister Mary, who was just sitting there with Jesus while he's teaching, Lord, bid her come help me. Martha, Martha, you're cumbered about much busy work. Mary hath chosen the good part. Her focus was on Jesus. Too often, we equate our busyness for God to our spirituality, and we spend little time in the Word. We spend little time in quietness. We spend little time uh, evaluating our focus and and all that we're doing and how we're doing it. We spend little time like Mary did, listening, learning, worshiping, sacrificing, serving. Because we're surrendered to Him and to Him alone first and foremost. That is what happens when we establish Jesus as the center of our worship. And to do that, we must take an account, make an evaluation. What is so important in my life? Well, what is the priority of my life? Oh, we, we can we rattle around in our minds and say, Well, I love the I love God. I love Jesus. I'm saved. Yeah, I, I think He's first. But look at it as the Holy Spirit evaluates with us: Is that who's first? Is that where my focus is at? Is that what's most important to me? What will? What am I unwilling to give up? Would I turn from God if those closest to me died? You know, if you read about just recently, did you see the family, you know, those duck boat accidents and those horrible winds down there at uh, Taborock Lake down there in Missouri? We've been there a number of times and the duck boat accidents, they flipped over. Nine people from one family died. Would you turn towards God or turn from him? Would you blame him? Because when we do that, we say, well, they're more important to me than he is. When we look at the last week, we looked at, the, at the, the rich young ruler. He said, I've done all the spiritual things you said. Okay, go and sell all that you have. Give to the poor and come and follow me. And he went away sorrowful. Why? Because his possessions were far more important to him than Jesus. And we can go on and on and on. Wherever our focus is, whatever it is we're unwilling to give up. On contrary-wise... Is there anything that is more important to you that you're you're unwilling to give up your time with Jesus for? You're unwilling to give up your time of worship. You're unwilling to give up your time of reading. You're unwilling to give up your time of prayer. You're unwilling to give up your surrender and your service for uh, for him, for anything else. Is there anything else that could interfere? Because we evaluate where our worship is placed. Um, I may have shared this with you a few years ago but I I read an account of four brothers in the Mideast they were all getting together for a time coming from uh, different places and each of them were to bring a portion of juice from the vine and they were going to all put it in the pot and they were just going to have this time together everybody was supposed to bring a portion one brother decided that if he just brought water the other three brothers wouldn't notice and he came and poured it in the jug and guess what the brothers all drank water because all four brothers thought nobody else would notice if they brought water instead of juice that's where we place our focus oh, you know what Hate. Ananias and Sapphira thought that well, if we take apart and keep back apart, and everybody will think we're real spiritual, and it'll all be okay. We can put on a good face. We can put on a smiley face. We can be happy and friendly, and, and everything's going to be fine. But they were keeping back something because the genuine worship of Jesus wasn't that important. And we see account after account after account. And what does Jesus long for, desire, command of us? That he is the center of worship. That we are to look unto him. We are to worship and adore him. We are to long for, we are to sacrifice, serve, and surrender him and him alone. The oath that our military makes, those going into the military make, holds them accountable as they have signed on, signed up, and the only way they can get out of the duty of service is their superiors, let them do that. Well, if you're here today and you're a born-again believer, you followed the Lord in believer's baptism, you've made that public proclamation, Because baptism doesn't save us, but baptism is that sign that, yes, I'm publicly stating, I have put my faith and trust in Jesus, and I want everybody to know, and it's a means in the body of holding one another accountable, that we are being good soldiers of the cross. Are you a good soldier of the cross? I don't know, but the Lord does. The Lord knows our hearts. We see the outside. But God sees and tries the hearts. And one question. Is Jesus at the center of your worship? What is most worthy in your life? Is Jesus at the center of that? If not, are you ready and willing to make him, allow him to be the center? Or are you willing to speak to him face to face one day and give him all the reasons and excuses of why he wasn't the center of